0: Welcome to Running Polls. I'm Erin And I'm T-Statman. If Coach
1: ever heard what we were actually thinking, or drinking, we would definitely be running. Leave the bats in Stillwater. Carrie Everly just threw her (laughs) first career no-hitter.
0: This is a hustle play right here by Stepman. And she gets in just under the tack.
1: She drove that ball out deep to left center, and we've got a brand new ball game.
2: Satin, just not pulling the trigger on that looks big it could have been slightly low and with two strikes that's one you have to pretend on
0: this week's guest is a man of many talents not only has he caught over 11,000 balls at major league baseball games he's also written three books holds some video game world records as well and has created controversy in my own household let's welcome Zach Hampel to the show yeah Great to be welcome. here but.
2: Oh, I already <laughs> messed that up. <laughs> wow, we're off to a great start here.
1: How, yeah, controversy in T's house. How does that make you feel as, soon yeah, as you jump what? on? Yeah, what?
2: I, I feel like I'm being accosted here on the air. <laughs> I'm I'm flattered, but I'm horrified at the same time. I got to hear this story now.
0: Okay, so my boyfriend, big baseball guy, and his brother is also a big baseball guy. So I told my boyfriend that you were <laughs> coming on. He's like, oh, "That guy." <gasps> he he took the the ball and then tried to hold it from i was like but he the money went to charity he's like i don't care he's like i would have just thrown him i was like whatever and then his brother was like oh yeah that guy's awesome
1: how'd you get him
2: <laughs> it sounds about right
1: so basically t are you saying that your boyfriend's jealous that we have zach on the show probably yeah good <laughs> he's just mad he didn't catch it himself
2: yeah i i understand yeah i mean everybody had an opinion on what i should have done with that mm-hmm. Arod 3000 hit baseball and a lot of claims about what they would have done. But until you're actually holding a potentially half million dollar object in your hand, you don't know anything. And you know what they say, opinions are, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> boyfriends and, and other people are welcome to think what they think, but they don't know how it was. There was also a lot of fake news circulating at yeah. the time. Uh, for example, after I had already told the Yankees that I would have a meeting with Randy Levine, the team president, after the game, like I told them early in the game, I'll talk to him after the game, and we'll discuss. The Yankees spokesperson went to the media and said the fan is unwilling to negotiate, <laughs> and I'm like, what? So that immediately set things off on a negative tone, and everybody got pissed, and. Look, I did definitely say some stupid things that didn't help my cause. But just another example, after I had agreed with the Yankees that I would give A-Rod the ball in exchange for a $150,000 donation to a children's baseball charity, the Yankees were then gone on an eight-day road trip. So I couldn't do anything except hold on to the ball. What am I going to do? Sneak into Yankee Stadium and place it on home plate and just let it sit there? So the Yankees planned a press conference for when the team got back, and they didn't want me to say anything about it. They wanted to be the ones to break the news. Meanwhile, I was getting dragged through the mud by the media. Forbes basically published an article titled something like, memorabilia leeches are ruining the sport. And it was all pretty much about me and how greedy I was. I was already planning. I had a deal already in place with the Yankees to give them this ball for nothing personally and yet I couldn't say, uh, you're wrong, because actually this thing is going to happen. So it was, it was an awful, awful time in my life. You'd think it would just be nothing but celebration to have caught this very valuable, famous home run. But it sucked so much that I even questioned if I had the whole thing to do over again, if I would have picked that baseball up off the ground.
0: It's crazy that the media was just like, nope, this guy's terrible. Don't ask you questions, they're just kind of dragging you through the mud because they feel like they're entitled to.
2: Pretty much and there are many more examples which we don't need to get into of just people lying and I mean fake news is actually a thing that exists but it's also dangerous because a lot of times there is real news that portrays someone in an unflattering way and that person then claims that it's fake fake news and throws everything into doubt but there was truly a lot of fake news surrounding me and that baseball and how it all went down.
1: Did you ever feel like you wanted to say something, even though you had something that agreement with the Yankees did not say anything?
2: Oh, definitely. But you don't mess with the Yankees, ultimately (laughs) what it comes down to. And I, I figured as bad as things are now, hopefully things will get better when everybody sees the positive outcome, which, you know, it it did to some extent, but 99% of all the articles written happened the night that I got that ball when I first came out and was like nope I'm keeping it so sure there were follow-up pieces but everybody who was mad or had that first impression their minds were largely set and it's interesting fans of the other 29 major league teams to them I was their hero because I was sticking it to A-Rod and I wasn't going to give that guy his home run Yankee fans were so pissed off at me but now when I go to Yankee Stadium I mean, it's it's great. Everybody knows the deal. Everybody knows me as that guy from YouTube or the guy that got the A-Rod ball. And there's a lot of nasty people online. Twitter is just an absolute disaster. But when I go to games in person, I mean, one out of 3,000 people are rude to me. I'm telling you, it's so rare that, that someone's nasty in person. So that's a good thing.
0: So this was kind of a more recent memory. What is your earliest memory of baseball?
2: I recall being very little and hitting a big ball like a beach ball with a big plastic bat that my parents were tossing to me in a backyard but as far as major league baseball I remember being I guess four years old and hearing my dad and his friend screaming with delight from the next room and I ran in and there was baseball on tv and that was the first time I ever saw it on tv and realized that there was this sort of bigger thing that men played and you know how who knows how a four-year-old brain processes that but Fernando Valenzuela the legendary Dodgers pitcher had actually just hit a home run in that game and again I was four and didn't understand why that was a big deal but I saw how happy it made my dad and that left some kind of impression on me and I was pretty much a, a major league baseball fan after that and I just wanted to be as close to the game as possible.
1: So I'm a mega Dodger fan. I'm obsessed. Uh, I'm not <laughs> afraid to admit it. So my my mom is the, who introduced me to baseball. We've had season tickets to the Dodgers for over 40 years in our family. Wow. Yeah. Where in the stadium? Uh, so field level, uh, section two, row J. So behind home plate and about 20-ish rows up. So we are the first row of seats that aren't that's not padded and (laughs) so you have the big fancy you have the fancy seats that cost like a hundred thousand dollars yeah to sit in down below and then you have the front part of the the yellow seats right and those are padded with not even a half an inch of padding and those seats cost 20 more dollars a seat for like a
2: prison level amount of padding right yeah like if, if you were sleeping on a cot in prison, it would have that much padding on it.
1: Right. And it costs you 20 more dollars to That's sit dumb. in that row right in front of us. And we're like, well, I, I, we don't need that.
2: That's a pretty sweet spot. It is. Any foul balls come looping back over the screen?
1: I've been close to a couple, but I have never caught a foul
2: ball. You're probably almost a little too close to the field. I'm too close. They go way over your head. And are if you're directly behind the plate, or are you off to the side a little bit?
1: I would say more behind the, the box.
2: Slightly toward the first base side of home plate?
1: Yeah. We're not directly behind home plate.
2: Well, that's good because most foul balls come off at an angle. Someday you're going to get one. One there. day. And it's going to be like in the first inning or the ninth inning because you know how Dodgers fans are.
1: I go early. I stay late. Well, you're I'm a my, true fan. I'm a true fan. I show up for batting practice. There we and go. And I, you know, but I've never gone out to the to the pavilion to try to catch balls because you know dodger stadium is also very weird because if you don't have tickets for the seats in those areas they don't let you they try to not let you down there
2: i think they do now that they sort of renovated and connected the whole stadium with the walkway now you can go anywhere i believe except the right field pavilion which is the all you can eat area
1: that was the one thing i i love dodger stadium but if you have seats up in the lodge level they're not going to let you onto the field level oh
2: yeah that's that's weird.
1: And you have to go in on that level. So if, you've, if you're sitting up on the top deck, then you have to enter Dodger Stadium on the top deck.
2: And it's, Yeah, it's built into a hill. And then they, you've probably experienced this if you try to get there really early. Although, well, yeah, if you have a season ticket, you're able to enter three hours early. But they yeah. don't open the parking lot until three hours early. Right. So you you can't actually be just like parked and chilled out and then waiting for the stadium to open. There's like this mad dash. Right. You're trying to get in early to catch a baseball or grab a spot for an autograph. People are sneaking in by foot and racing and leaving their cars on the street and being dropped off by friends. It's so dumb. It's a cool stadium. The team is amazing. Great history and lore. But the way they run that place, I swear they are such idiots and it drives me crazy every time i go there
1: yes we but we used to collect so my mom used to bring my brother and i when we were little and that was when the parking lot the players parking lot was just a chain link fence around it right mm. so you could get your baseball and you could walk up to the fence after the game and you could get autographs right
2: But now. (laughs)
1: But now it's like, oh, you can't even get anywhere close to there.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: We've got so many good autographs back in the day because of that chain link fence and and because we were
2: cute kids, right? That also helps. Yeah.
1: I've got some good ones, man. I do. Gary Sheffield. Got that. Chef.
2: Yes. He was just featured on uh, MLB's Instagram for, I guess, being, what is he, 51 years old now and still hitting bombs. He was taking BP on a field and crushing. Yeah, he was always fun to watch.
1: The one I have the most from back in the day is Darren
2: Dreyfurt. Oh, he was a stud in college, right? Yeah. 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 And then didn't quite pan out in the majors, but, you know, I remember that name.
0: Must be nice to have those Dodgers tickets. I grew up in the nosebleeds of Qualcomm Stadium for Padres games. My dad used to sell cotton candy at that stadium. Yeah, I was, like, a couple days old, and my um, carriage kind of goes down the steps. I wasn't in
2: it, but. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I made it to that stadium a few times. Yeah, good times. But a weird, funky place that was made for football, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I never went to a baseball game there. I've been to Petco. Petco, where the pets go. Sorry.
2: (laughs) And meanwhile, I try to get to as many different stadiums as possible. So I've been to 57 different Major League stadiums. And I do count all the defunct stadiums. And then if Major League Baseball goes and plays overseas, and it's an actual regular season game, I try to be there, and I definitely count that on my stadium list because I figure if the stats count for the players and the wins and losses count for the team, then that stadium can go on my list and the balls count in my collection, whatever I catch there. So that's one of my favorite things to do as a fan is go to a new stadium.
0: How do you set your schedule for the year?
2: That is much more haphazard than people think. People assume that I have it all planned out And I have friends, like, this. the second that MLB releases the schedule, people are just all over it, and they map out their whole year. I even have a friend who works for MLB who's a huge fan himself, and then in whatever free time he has, he's going to games. He gets a sneak peek at the schedule, I guess, about a week before it comes out to the public. And he, like, the second he gets it, he already knows what he's – I mean, he just – that's what he does the first night, plans his whole – season, rents, cars, books, hotels, flights, done, set in stone. Me, it's the opposite. It's, uh, I wait to the very last second to book anything. Flights usually go up in price around two weeks beforehand. So I just try to book flights by then. And I try to use Southwest because they're very flexible about changing flights. I mean, sometimes my plans change on the day of the game. Like last year, I was in Chicago. I actually drove two guaranteed rate field for a White Sox game. It was drizzly, heard there wasn't gonna be batting practice. And so I drove away from the parking lot, the stadium was already open and I was like, I'm not really feeling it. Drove to Milwaukee, which is like, I don't know, 80 miles away, went to the game there, arrived in the third inning and filmed the whole thing sort of road trip style for YouTube. And that's why I don't like to announce my plans because anybody that I might've told, oh, I'm gonna be in Chicago tomorrow, people, actually do sometimes buy tickets based on when I say I'm going to be places and I would feel bad to then not show up so anytime I say I'm going to be somewhere it's sort of with an asterisk but yeah it's I might look at the schedule and have an idea of which games I'm going to go to like maybe write them down but I still don't book anything till the last second
1: so you're saying you have a fan
2: club it's not an official like send in 1995 and you get a membership badge to the Zach Hampel fan club. But yeah, I, there are definitely fans. I get actual physical fan mail sent to me regularly and I have merch and people buy my shirts and probably an average of hundred people a day come up to me and recognize me every time I'm at a major league game. So it's, it's pretty intense. Uh, in the baseball world, I'm a big deal, anywhere else nobody gives a damn about anything I say or do, which is kind of nice. I get to have the best of both worlds, like pretend to be a celebrity when I go to a game and then I can disappear into relative obscurity and leave my uh, leave my life the rest of the time without being too hassled.
1: Have you thought about starting a fan club though?
2: This mm, could, No. We,
1: this could get really cool. You could have your membership dues go to charity?
2: Well, I already do a lot for charity, I, I still work with pitching for baseball and softball. So I I spend a lot of time working with them and raising a lot of money. And I think the thing in my life that that is at the, the highest premium is free time. So I try to not take anything on additionally if it's not extremely fun or extremely helpful and relevant to my career or, you know, in the case of charity. Helpful and relevant to them. But just you know, a lot of people have Patreons, which sure, it would be nice to have extra money, but then it's like I just don't want to feel obligated every month or however it works to then do dozens or hundreds of low level favors for people and like donate this much money and we'll have a 15 minute Zoom call every month. Not that I mind being on Zoom with you guys right now, this is great, but I just don't want to have to do that with a zillion people or like send a personal letter or to analyze someone's glove trick technique like it's cool like I, I i love my fans i love the enthusiasm but i have to cap it somewhere even right now i'm only doing one video per week i could do a video every day if i wanted to and i would be completely burned out during this time that i need for myself to recharge my brain so i love baseball i'm obsessed with baseball but i'm always striving for that baseball life balance and you know, the fan club, in a way, it would just be one more thing that I would have to deal with. Same thing with the podcast, like all the power in the world to you guys. I've had probably a thousand people tell me I should have a podcast. A thousand, ten thousand people have told me I should write another book. And I'm just like, can't deal with it. It's just going to be one more thing to take up my time. I got YouTube. That's a full-time thing. So I'm, I already have too much baseball in my life, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm looking to cut down on baseball things, not add anything related to baseball.
0: So how did you wind up picking Pigeon for Baseball as the charity that you're gonna support? Like, why is it so meaningful to you?
2: It was just kind of dumb luck that I stumbled upon them. I knew that I wanted to do something charitable and this was heading into the 2009 season. So during that off season, I contacted Major League Baseball and spoke to someone with the RBI program, reviving baseball mm. in the inner cities. And I just said, I'd like to speak to someone about charitable donations. And I had this brain dead operator who was like, if you would like a donation, you have to contact. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I want to donate for all donations. You And I'm like, wow, okay, I'm trying to like, okay. I was very frustrated in that moment. So I was like, cool, MLB, all right you're not going to get my effort and money since you don't even want to talk to me, which is a shame because I love MLB and I've had a great relationship with them, but got to have better people on the phone. Uh, I contacted the Make-A-Wish Foundation and they, I don't think the conversation went too far. I just realized that they were such a big organization that anything that I could do for them would be a drop in the bucket, wouldn't really make too much of a difference. And so I forget exactly how i found pitching for baseball if if someone recommended it or if it was just random googling but i ended up speaking to the director of that charity and just out of the blue he didn't know me i didn't know him no connection but i was just like hey i'm this guy i catch a zillion baseballs you can look me up i want to have people pledge money for every ball that i get and have that money go to your charity And he was like, great, go for it. I mean, it was like, it took about 30 seconds of talking and he was on board. So I was like, okay, this is the organization for me. And he was, and still is super friendly. I'm on great terms with everyone there. Still, we've worked together a lot and they're not a huge organization. And yet they do have partnerships with MLB and certain teams and major league players. So they do great work, but they're not massive. So I feel like anything I do for them is actually very helpful.
1: I actually found them a few years ago and wrote a story on it. Um, They also send equipment to youth organizations who are in need of it, or they send it overseas to countries who need equipment. It's really cool. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. They're, they basically provide equipment. So, underserved children and communities can play baseball and softball. So whether there's just a community that is perhaps impoverished in the case of some countries or whether there's a natural disaster somewhere that does have a lot of money, but all the equipment let's say gets lost if it's stored in an equipment shed by the field and then there's a hurricane and the shed gets destroyed and then none of the kids have equipment to go play. That's what this charity does. They they step in and they send equipment to places that need it. So that is very near and dear to my heart. And I was also thinking early on before I got involved with this charity, what do I even wanna raise money for in the first place? Like my dad died of cancer. Do I wanna raise money for cancer research? And I thought, no, I wanna keep it light and I wanna make it baseball related. And that's how I ended up with pitching for baseball and softball.
1: And you know where the money's going. Like when you give your money to pitch in for baseball or softball, like you know where that money's going. Um, That's what I found. Uh, my dad died of a heart attack. So if I'm going to give money to the Heart Association, like how do I know that money is really going to heart disease? Like you exactly. don't know.
2: Exactly, yeah.
1: That got real deep, real <laughs>
2: quick. <laughs> how deep is your love? We're talking about baseball. We're talking about dead dads here. You know, it's all good. We're, we're covering all the bases. Ho, baseball, pun, oh, metaphor. thing. Fun.
0: Did you work for your family bookstore growing up?
2: I worked at the bookstore when I was like six years old for the first time and I was very good at simple arithmetic. So I would do the cash register and customers would bewilderingly hand me cash for items and then I would ring them up and make their change and hand it back to them with my mom nearby. So yeah, I was working there way back in the day and I've spent I guess as much as a solid year working there in my adult life, in more recent years, and I haven't worked there at all in a couple years because now it's full-time YouTube and baseball stuff for me. But when when the baseball stuff was really starting to take over, but it wasn't quite a full-time thing, I had a pretty sweet setup at the bookstore where I set my own schedule, told them how many hours I worked, and then just got paid hourly because I was doing some specialized work. Uh, with the autograph department, cataloging autographs and stuff like that. So that allowed me to dip out at 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. and hop on the subway and go to baseball games in New York or just take a week off, whatever it was. And I'd work a lot more there during the off-season and then baseball season I would mostly disappear. And that worked for them. It worked for me. And then the YouTube thing became big enough that it was like, see ya, fam. I'm done with the bookstore stuff. But I still visit there – Often, you know, I live in New York City. The store's right across Central Park from me, so it's a great hangout spot.
1: I have a bone to pick with you. Bring it. All right, so let's be real. T and I, like, studied your FAQ on your website, so we wouldn't ask you questions that you have already answered tens of thousands of times. But you say you've never (laughs) knocked down anyone while catching a ball. That's correct. I've caught... A few balls. And I have knocked down people at least three times.
2: Well, you're a horrible human being.
1: A senior citizen, a 10-year-old.
2: What? Um,
1: you knocked down a senior citizen? He was in my way. I need you to understand this.
2: <laughs> so how, how is this picking a bone with me? This seems like we're at confession right now.
1: Oh, I have no problem talking about how I've knocked down people to catch baseballs. Um... Because let's also, let's understand this. Um, One actually was in Arizona. It was a Diamondbacks Orioles game.
2: That was probably the senior citizen, right? Yes. There's a lot of them in Arizona.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) I'm behind the Orioles dugout wearing an Orioles shirt because I have a shirt for just about every major league baseball team so that I can go to games all over the place and blend in and try. Just like Zach. There we go. See, we have a lot in common just already. And Chris Davis had been trying to throw me a baseball for like three innings. And all these people kept catching them. They kept like jumping up and knocking them down, whatever. So finally, he threw one to me and it was right here. And the senior citizen was trying to move into my row in front of me. And I was like, no, no, this is my seat. My bubble, get out of my way. And I caught the baseball. He was not, he did not sit in my row. He did not belong in my bubble. I see. And he was trying to catch the ball. So I moved him out of the way.
2: So what's your bone to pick with me? Again, this just seems like you confessing about being a bad person.
1: I'm not a bad
2: person. Knocking down senior citizens. That could have been my grandmother. My grandmother lived in Arizona. She lived to be 102. (laughs) Did you knock down my grandmother?
1: No, because it was a male. So it was not your grandmother. Well, as Maybe they say, a- if
2: Grandma had balls, she'd be Grandpa. Anyway, what's your bone to pick with me?
1: That I don't, I don't know how you haven't knocked down somebody, or even if it's not on purpose. Out of all of the the tens of thousands of baseballs that you've caught, like nobody's accidentally tripped.
2: The closest I've come to knocking someone down, I was running through a row at Yankee Stadium in batting practice, and. I, before every pitch i always look left i look right i make sure that the row is clear if it's not i either know i have to go up and around or i'll move to a different row the row is clear they hit a ball i'm running for it and at the last second this guy like a teenage kid steps down over a chair into my row and appeared out of nowhere so i did bump into him but i was already slowing down at that point and we Yes, there was physical contact. He didn't fall over. We kind of like, I kind of grabbed him. And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like he appeared out of nowhere. And he's like, oh no, no, that's my fault. I like, I climbed down and I felt really bad. And I gave him two baseballs actually. That was like the one time and he didn't even fall over. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't upset. So like in, in all the games ever, I, I just don't, I don't bump, I don't do that, you know? So Marin, you're
1: just a bad person. I'm just Basically. a bad person. <laughs> you know what? No regrets. I No, no regrets. No regrets. Even the 10-year-old that I knocked down once. Oh, my gosh. That was – you know what? It was a ball being thrown. It was a ball being thrown by Andre Ethier. I need you to understand Andre Ethier is like
2: – He's so dreamy.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so when Andre Ethier is around and throwing baseballs and you're trying to catch them and then get him to sign it, you got to do what you got to do. And – there was a kid in my way. So now it's time for
0: the Kvetching Corner.
1: Welcome to the Kvetching Corner. I could kvetch about anything. What do you want me to kvetch about?
2: My general kvetch is that uh, I don't have kids and I, 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 it's hard to date and it's hard to meet the right person, just in general in life. I mean, my life is great right now. I'm not happy that there's a pandemic, but given the fact that there is one, my life is super chill right now. And I'm not missing baseball, contrary to probably what everybody believes, because my life is still very filled with baseball. And I have a lot of other things that I enjoy doing. And my my current project, which is turning into like a month long thing is scanning all of my old letters and papers and mementos and things of that nature and i have boxes of stuff because i saved everything that anybody sent to me from the time i was like i mean there i found a postcard from one of my siblings wishing me a happy fifth birthday and I have a whole folder of letters from sleepaway camp in 1989. And every summer at camp, there's a whole folder of letters from mostly my parents. So there's like, there are thousands of things to be scanned and I'm having fun combing through that. Uh, I also have a lady friend living with me now. So we're spending a ton of time here, obviously quarantined together. She's great. It's fun. She doesn't want to have kids though. So it's like, that's why I said, that's why I said the whole kids thing. So. Um...
0: But your date... Are you dating? Yeah. Is this tea? the T? The T? Okay, so you got... Yeah. You said it was hard to date, so why was it so hard for you to date before you meeting the lady friend? I
2: mean, just dating in general's kind of BS. Um,
0: <laughs> Were you on Tinder?
2: Uh, I have been on Tinder. I, I've pretty much banned Tinder from my life. Um, that's, to me, that's just a garbage app. It's garbage people on a garbage app, and nobody's serious. And yeah, just online dating sucks. I also don't drink. Just the whole culture of bars and meeting people that way is not going to happen with me. And, uh, you know, I spend so much time at baseball stadiums. That's not the best place to meet ladies. Of course, there are exceptions to the rule, but I just find myself not in places most of the time where I could meet someone that I would likely to be compatible with. So... I end up having to take three subway trains to Bushwick more than I would like because that's where all the crazy action is. And I'm just so sick of Brooklyn half the time. And so this quarantine, it's like, well, there's nothing happening anyway. So there's no FOMO and I'm just gonna stay home and snuggle 12 hours a day and scan my old papers and listen to music and eat too much. And like, it's so chill right now. I I often wake up with three hours of sleep during the baseball season. Like probably at least almost on a weekly basis, I am waking up with no sleep during baseball. And then often traveling to a different time zone and then being on YouTube and dealing with 100 people with sometimes 90 minutes of sleep and maybe any time I can nap on the plane. So it's like, that is just not happening right now. My life is very fun during the baseball season, but it's very stressful. And all of that stress does not exist for me. And I'm digging it so hard. So I have a love-hate relationship with baseball. I know nobody wants to hear someone Kvetch who makes a living going to baseball games and being on YouTube, but there's actually a ton of work involved. The real talk is that it's a lot of work and a lot of stress and a lot of pressure and it's super fun and amazing and I'm lucky, but it's it's the love-hate relationship, it's the baseball life balance that's been a major struggle for me and dating fits into that in a way that it's just so hard for me to do that's my big fetch slash rant
1: since i'm the single person on this episode dating in the quarantine is uh is terrible oh i'm sure
0: you like do facetime dates with food in front of you and you watch each other eat
1: you're like oh yeah today i'm eating mexican food it's fine watch me stuff my face with burrito no i don't do that But people have cabin fever, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it because when you go pick up food from somewhere, like you have guys that are just like, they just start looking at you. Like they haven't seen a female in months, right? And then they just hit on you. Like no matter, it doesn't matter who it is. Like, they're like, oh, you smell good. I'm like,
2: what? You're like, no, that's not me. That's the burrito thing.
1: It's bad. Dating in quarantine. That's my convince, because I don't recommend it for anybody.
2: Yeah, it seems like it would really blow. And I'm sorry you're single during not, this time.
1: And, and not literally, because you can't well, hang out with anybody.
2: Yeah. Although, well, yeah, OK, we won't go there. But I listened to a lot of Dan Savage. and <laughs> He was talking about, anyway, next next item of conversation. He was talking about ways to perhaps safely do that during quarantine. Like you could be near a certain body part but not have somebody breathing on you. And yeah, anyway.
1: T, are you feeling awkward now? Yes.
2: <laughs> God damn it. Get on the line.
1: So, Maren, what are we drinking today? <laughs> I like how you said that. Uh, since uh, we woke up in the morning to record this episode, this morning is powered by Bailey's and coffee because. You got to have a coffee in the morning
2: and I can't function without it. Really? That's how you do it, huh?
1: Yeah. Especially during college football season. Every Saturday morning is Bailey's and coffee. Sunday for football is uh, mimosas or Bloody Marys. I think I have a, I like alcohol. I was going to say I have a drinking problem, but I I don't have a drinking problem. No, you're just Jewish. (laughs)
0: L'chaim. I'm drinking a mixture of water and half of the sparkling ice that spilled
1: on. So you're saying I'm the only one drinking today. Got it.
2: What about you? I chugged a cup of water before we started chatting. That's about it. I've actually never been drunk and I drink alcohol once or twice or three times a year, maybe. Um,
0: You sound like my dad. My dad's like, I've never been drunk in my life and I used to work for Anheuser-Busch.
2: I actually had a, in fact, that might've been the last time I had alcohol, was uh, last summer. I took a tour of the Anheuser Busch Brewery in St. Louis. Because actually, someone who works for AB, as they call it, is a fan of my YouTube channel. And he got in touch and offered to hook it up and said that I could film it for YouTube and it would, you know, it'd be good for them. It would be good for me. And and yeah, Anheuser Busch, of course, since you know the Cardinals play in a place called Busch Stadium, they're hooked up with great seats. So they gave me some good seats, they showed me around, and I drank some beer directly out of one of the tanks during that tour. It was, I guess it was like beer that was less than four hours old or something like that. And that was the first time I'd had beer in a long ass time. So, you know, it's like, if I'm gonna drink, it's it's gonna mean something. And then it still won't be very much. And I'm not all high and mighty about it. It's just like, I don't know, it just never appealed to me. So, whatever. I'm breaking, I'm breaking
1: news. I have to share this with you guys while you're here. Some dude just messaged me on Facebook, like on my fan page.
2: Oh, you have a fan club?
1: Yeah, she charges $20 (laughs) for a membership every year. That's that makes me sound like a prostitute. No, I don't. Wow. (laughs) Okay, this dude just messaged me. Hey, I'm moving back to the Raleigh area. Would love to get to know you. I saw you on the Jewish Singles Meetup app. I deleted that app. I don't live in Raleigh anymore, but this dude went and sought out my fan page. And uh, let's see. Did you mention
2: the fan page on your Jewish singles?
1: No, it's a group. Like I was trying to meet people when I lived there because I wrote. I worked for this baseball magazine that's based in Durham. Uh, apparently, this guy saw me in a in an app that I deleted. I guess I didn't delete my profile. I just deleted the app. Is he attractive? Hell no.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's all—it's only, only—it's—it's it's not creepy if they're handsome, right? Isn't that how it works?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's still creepy. Pretty much. Thank you so much for coming on. We super appreciate it. You're a great guy. Give a plug for all of our fans.
2: Well, first of all, thanks. This was a fun chat. And the easiest way for people to find me is just to type my name into any social media app, search bar, or YouTube, as long as as long as you know how to spell my name, I'm easy to find. Zach Hample, Z-A-C-K-H-A-M-P-L-E. And I believe, and I know that Google puts out different results on different computers based on your interests and your history, but I I think that if you search for Zach Baseball, I'm the first one that comes up. Z-A-C-K Baseball. He's doing that right now. now. You let me know.
0: Yes, but it might have also been because I... Google do like That could
2: be, that could be. So yeah, so I'm very easy to find. Uh, I think I'm the only person in the world with this spelling of my name. There are some that are pretty close. So people have no excuse, no excuse, not to check out my stuff. There's my plug.
0: Also buy all your books.
2: Buy my book. Well, don't buy all the books because there's one that I wrote that came out way back in 1999, which is terrible. It's called How to Snag Major League Baseballs. And thank-
0: How old were you? I
2: was 19 when I wrote it. And I was 20.
0: Did you write it yourself? I
2: did write it myself. My dad, who was a writer, helped edit and he helped me outline it. But I did all the writing myself. Um, It's terrible and thankfully it's out of print. But I rewrote that entire book, made it a hundred times better and more informative and then made that book part of my newest book which is called the baseball so the final third of my book called the baseball is actually called how to snag major league baseballs and that is great so if you want all that how to snag info don't buy that first crappy little green book with a, you know that that came out a million years ago buy the new one the baseball it's a lot of fun there's my plug thank you
0: Give us a five star rating and subscribe to the Running Polls podcast on your favorite podcasting service Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even Apple Podcasts. Woohoo! Please give us a five star review and leave a little comment so we know that you're listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Running Polls Pod and on our website at runningpollspodcast.com.
2: And furthermore, be kind to your fellow humans. We need more kindness in the world right now. That's all I got.